Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon. Here at Back Creek Church, we are focused on connecting people with the hope of the gospel. With this week's message, here's Pastor Matt Carr. We're going to be back in John chapter 14. Uh, the Gospel of John chapter 14, and this morning we're going to be looking at verses 25 through 27. Uh, John 14, 25 through 27. Last week we considered the promise that Jesus made uh, on the night before the cross. The night before he was crucified, uh, he made this promise that whoever believes in him will do the works that he did in his incarnation and that whoever believes in him will do greater works than he did in his incarnation. And what we saw last week is that that those works are not greater in terms of righteousness. And they're not greater in terms of the miraculous, because that would be impossible. No one has been more righteous than Christ. All of us are in need of the righteousness that only Jesus has accomplished and only Jesus can give. Also, no one is capable of doing the miracles that Jesus did. He remains the only human being who ever overcame death in his own power. Rather, we saw that it is the message and the mission and the means provided by God that are greater. The message, because it's the good news of salvation accomplished, not merely salvation anticipated. The mission, because it is now global and not just local. That is the making new of all creation. And the means... Because Christ is building his church and he's promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against her as she enfolds and encourages believers in our message and in our mission. Also, we saw that these greater works will happen because Jesus ascended to the Father. Who at the request of the Son sent the Holy Spirit. To enable and empower his people in our message and in our mission. And it is this promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives that gives us confidence. It assures us of the power of our message. It assures us of the victory of the mission. And the presence of God the Holy Spirit in our lives is essential. It is essential to every aspect of following Jesus and of fulfilling our purpose in this world. And yet, I would admit myself and would suggest that it's true of so many Christians like me that we are impoverished in our understanding of, in our experience of the Holy Spirit. Author Francis Chan wrote a book that I I do commend to you. It's called The Forgotten God. And he writes this, from my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected. And for all practical purposes, forgotten. While no Christian would deny his existence, I'm willing to bet there are millions of churchgoers across America who can confidently who cannot confidently say that they have experienced the Holy Spirit in presence or action in their lives over the past year. And many of them do not believe that they can. If you and I had never been to church, and only had the Old and New Testaments, we would have significant expectations of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
If we read and believed the accounts that we find in Scripture, we would expect a great deal of the Holy Spirit. He would not be a mostly forgotten member of the Godhead whom we occasionally give a nod of recognition to, which is what he has become in most American churches. We would expect our new life with the Holy Spirit to look radically different from our old life without the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm convicted by that. And so I'm eager and anxious to better understand and experience and hold on to this promise from Jesus of the Holy Spirit. If you're able, please stand in honor of God's word. We're going to read John 14, 25 through 27. This is the word of God. These things have I spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's thank the Lord for his word. Holy Spirit, you inspired these words to be written down by the Apostle John, just as they were spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ. And you did this for our benefit, so that we could hear and receive and believe and embrace and apply the promise of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would now take your word that you inspired and preserved for us. And that you would impress on our hearts afresh its truth and your presence. And Lord, that it would change everything for us. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know, I need someone to help. All right, some of y'all know that, right? And some, some of you don't because you're too young. But, um, but those lyrics from the Beatles, uh, if you have heard the song, you connect to the song. Because all of us have been in a place in our lives where at some point we have definitely needed help from someone else. I remember when my, my children were, were very little and uh, pretty well helpless that they were constantly asking me to help them do things. Daddy, can you help me do this? Daddy, can you help me do that? Well, a couple of years after that point, it became... Daddy, don't help me. I can do it myself. And I wonder if we who began our relationship with the Lord in utter dependence on him and on what he was going to do in our lives. But as we have learned more truth and ostensibly grown more mature in our faith, that we have begun to say to the Lord, don't help me. I can do it myself. And we have taken on the self-reliant posture as individual Christians and as the church. Theologian A.W. Tozer said this, If the Holy Spirit 
was withdrawn from the church. And we, we prayed earlier uh, in the words of David as he, as he prayed in Psalm 51. We prayed, take not your Holy Spirit from us. If the Holy Spirit were withdrawn, Tozer says, from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. This promise from Jesus reminds us that to be the people and to be the church that we are called to be, we need help. And all the help that we need has already been promised and delivered in the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? The scriptures teach us that the Holy Spirit is God. That we have one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That he is He proceeds from the Father and from the Son, that he is co-equal and co-eternal with the Father and the Son, that he is of the same essence, of the same substance as the Father and the Son, one God with them. The Holy Spirit, if, if you are a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit is the one who came and gave you new birth and new life when you were dead in your sin. He took out your heart of stone. He gave you a heart of flesh. He gave you a will and an affection for God that was responsive to him and to the good news about Jesus. He gave you the, the gifts of repentance from sin and faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who united you by faith to Christ once and for all and applied the work of Christ in his life, death, and resurrection to you. He is the one who makes you a partaker of Christ and all his benefits. The Spirit comes to live in us and to witness to our adoption as the children of God through Jesus. And as the Holy Spirit does all of these things, as he witnesses in our lives, what role does he play? What role does the Holy Spirit have in our day-to-day lives? Well, one of our presidents um, famously said, the scariest words, the scariest nine words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Now, whether or not you agree with that statement, it's kind of ironic that a president said it, right? Uh, Whether or not you uh, agree with that or or disagree with that, some of those most comforting words to the believer that have ever been spoken are in this promise from Jesus that he would give us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would be there to help. What roles does the Holy Spirit have in our lives? Just quickly, four roles that I want to highlight. Four roles from this very short statement of Jesus. The first is helper. The first role is helper. That's what Jesus calls the Holy Spirit in this promise. Even before he says Holy Spirit, he says the helper. Then he says who that's going to be, the Holy Spirit. The Greek word for helper there is the word parakletos. 
It literally means called to the side of. Called to the side of. So uh, in, in 1992, the Summer Olympics were in Barcelona. And there was a, a British runner named Derek Redmond. And he was running the semifinal for the 400 meters. And he was a really good runner. He was expected uh, to do well, maybe not to win, but to do well. And he was running really well about, uh, for about a third of the race. And then suddenly he pulled up with a torn hamstring. And the camera followed all the other runners as they finished the race. And then the camera pans back and finds Derek Redmond. And he is hobbling, trying to finish, trying to get to the finish line, just hobbling with his torn hamstring. He's, he is, his face is all screwed up because he is in such excruciating pain. But he is trying his best to make it the final two-thirds of the race. And the announcers aren't very sure that he's going to be able to make it. And then suddenly, out of the stands, comes running his father, Jim Redmond. And Jim shoes away the security who have gathered around his son, and he comes to his side. And he lifts up his son, who begins to cry on his shoulder, and together they walk to the finish line. Jim's love for his son called him to his side to help him to the end. And this is who the Holy Spirit is to us. He is the helper. He is called to the side of. He is the paraclete who upholds us and who carries us. This word could be translated in any number of ways. If you have a different uh, translation of scripture, it might be translated encourager, counselor, advocate, witness. And the spirit is all of this and more. See, the Christian life is viewed as a race, the way that the writer of Hebrews envisions it in Hebrews chapter 12. And there's no way we would ever be able to run it at all, much less to run it with the endurance that is required to the end without the internal encouragement and counsel and testimony and advocacy and strength that can only come from the Holy Spirit, the wisdom and enablement and empowerment of the paraclete. The helper. And when you are hurting, when you feel helpless and lost, when you are struggling with temptation and sin, when you are limping along, and even when you feel like you're doing well and you have no need of God to be your helper, the helper is here with you, in you, the believer. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit as helper. Second, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit as the emissary. The emissary. The helper. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send, Jesus says, in my name. An emissary is someone who goes in someone else's name. It's a representative sent on a special mission by someone important. The Father sends the Spirit as the representative of Jesus. Jesus says he's going to be sent, but he's not going to be sent in his own authority. He's going to be sent in my name. And the Holy Spirit's mission, being sent as the emissary of Jesus, is very special. The mission of the Holy Spirit is to communicate the presence of Jesus 
to whom he is eternally united in the triune Godhead to communicate his presence to us. This is how Jesus can make the promise to his disciples a few verses before that he will not leave them as orphans, but he will come to them. He's going to come to them through the Holy Spirit. It's why Jesus can say to us, I will never leave you or forsake you, even though he is physically present at the Father's right hand. It's how Jesus can say in the Great Commission, just moments before he's taken up into heaven, I will be with you always, even to the end. He is with us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. He is his emissary who communicates Christ's presence to us. And that's why it is not wrong for little children to say that they have asked Jesus to come into their hearts. Because Jesus' presence is communicated by the Holy Spirit who has come in and has begun to do a renovation in their hearts. It's not true that we can't say that Jesus lives in us, that he lives in our hearts because he does do so by his Spirit. And by his spirit, our helper. And that's remarkable. One commentator reminds us the indwelling spirit in the hearts of Jesus' followers would provide a fellowship with God even closer than they had experienced in the physical presence of Jesus. The emissary of Christ, the Holy Spirit, he gives us Tremendous gift. The gift of intimacy with God. Because God the Holy Spirit dwells in us as Christ's ambassador and emissary to us, God is not out there. God is not far away from us. He is right here and he is constantly offering communion and intimacy with God. This is one reason Jesus could say to his disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. In his incarnation, fellowship with Jesus was accessible only to those who were in his physical presence. Now, Christ's emissary gives us constant access to his presence and his fellowship at all times. When is it that you feel far away from God? If this promise from Jesus is true, then God is not ever far away from you. How many days do you go through without experiencing intimacy with Jesus? To my shame, there are many days that I walk through life and go through the motions and do not enjoy the intimacy with Jesus that is constantly and readily available to me through the indwelling of his emissary, the Holy Spirit. We forget and we neglect that we have the Spirit, that we have the Helper, that we have the emissary of Christ, whose special mission is to provide us with constant communication with our Lord, and communion with our Lord. Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit as Helper, as emissary, and thirdly, as leader. 
as leader. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. A little while after Jesus made this promise, uh, and still in speaking about the Holy Spirit in John 16, 13, Jesus says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all the truth. The reality is for us that we are assaulted and oppressed by lies all the time. We are assaulted and oppressed by lies all the time. We have three great enemies and oppressors whose primary weapon against us is deceit. The first enemy is the devil. In John 8, 44, Jesus tells us that when the devil lies... He speaks his native language because he is a liar and the father of lies. In the book of Revelation, which was also uh, written by John, he is called that ancient serpent, Satan, who leads the whole world astray with his deceit. And the world is the second enemy. As the world is led astray by the evil one, it believes lies and hates truth to the degree that at this point in in our particular context, there is no more agreed upon objective universal truth. There is your truth and my truth. uh, And if your truth uh, challenges my truth or in any way makes me feel bad, then I can dismiss your truth and you. And then the last enemy is the flesh. We are vulnerable to the lies of the world and the devil because of our remaining sinful nature and how prone we are to deceive ourselves. The prophet Jeremiah wrote very long ago, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Echoing these words, Jesus said in the New Testament, for from within... Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within the flesh, and they defile a person. And the Holy Spirit comes to us, assaulted and oppressed on every side by lies, without and within. The Holy Spirit comes to us like Moses went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh who was enslaving Moses' people. And Moses said, God says to you, let my people go. And the Holy Spirit comes like Moses and he leads us out of slavery to the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. What does he do? He leads us into all truth. He teaches us all things. He reminds us of what Jesus said. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The Apostle Paul says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I would just ask you, where is the Spirit of the Lord? Where is the Spirit of the Lord? He's in us. He's in you, and He is there to lead you into all truth. He's there to set you free from all lies. And how does He do that? Well, primarily... Not only, but primarily he does it by taking the word of God. 
that is his work. The Holy Spirit inspired every word of the Bible. And he takes his word that he inspired and he illuminates our minds so that we can understand what it is saying. He enlivens our hearts so that we can embrace what the word says, so that we can believe it and apply the word in our lives. So that we're formed by the truth of what God has said and transformed to be more like Jesus. Practically, the Holy Spirit uses the word as we read it personally, as we read it in our households, as we read and hear it preached in worship every week. He, teach, he uses it to teach us everything that we need to know and to lead us in our day-by-day priorities and choices and thoughts and words and actions. As we learn more and more of God's word, We become more and more sensitive to the leading of the Spirit as He helps us apply it in our lives. And this promise of the Holy Spirit to bring to the disciples' remembrance everything that Jesus said to them, it was especially important for the apostles because they didn't have the New Testament. It is because the Holy Spirit ministered to them and reminded them of everything that Jesus said that we got the New Testament as they wrote it down and helped others to write down what the Holy Spirit was inspiring them to write. But this promise is also important for us. And I can't tell you the number of times, the number of times that the Holy Spirit has been gracious to me and calling to my mind at the moment that I needed it, passages of Scripture and verses of Scripture that I needed. And allowed me by His grace and His work as a leader to wield the sword of the Spirit. And that's actually all the more true and all the more powerful when he does it with verses that I have myself committed to memory. People talk about the extraordinary leading of the Holy Spirit a lot. That the Holy Spirit is able to do, to, to allow people to know things or to do things that they otherwise couldn't have known and couldn't have done. And I absolutely believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants, with whom he wants, whenever he wants. But I would not expect us to experience any extraordinary leading of the Holy Spirit if we aren't being led in the ordinary day-to-day of our lives as he teaches us all things, as he reminds us of what Jesus said, and as he leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is a helper. He is the emissary of Christ. He is a a leader who leads us into all truth. And lastly, he's the peace giver. He's the peace giver. Now, if you're paying attention, you know that those points now spell H-E-L-P. In verse 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We live in a world that is troubled. We live lives that are troubled. And the natural and appropriate response is fear. The disciples are about to experience this intensely. This very night that Jesus is speaking these words and making these promises, he is about to be arrested. And the religious leaders who are very powerful in the community, 
And the Roman soldiers who are part of the government that is oppressing God's people there in and around Jerusalem are going to come with torches and with weapons to take Jesus away. And the disciples, seeing trouble, are afraid. And they leave him. And they abandon Jesus as he is arrested. A little while later, as Jesus is going through this unjust trial with the religious leaders, one of the leaders of the apostles, one of Jesus' best friends, Peter, he's outside warming himself by the fire. And he looks around and sees the trouble that is going on all around him and denies that he even knows Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. Even after Jesus rises from the dead, and they encounter him, the risen Lord, and they learn from him, and they see him ascend to the Father, still, for the apostles, doubt and fear dominate and trouble them. They do not have peace. What makes the difference? Did the world get better after Jesus went to the Father? No, certainly not for the apostles. In many ways, things got harder after that. And yet these fearful men, devastated by these troubling events, suddenly go out into the world and turn it upside down with their testimony about Jesus, each one of them going into great suffering and ultimately death for the sake of the message of the risen Christ. What was the difference? between the trouble and the fear that the disciples experienced and then the power of their transforming the world by the word of their testimony. What was the difference? It was Pentecost. The difference was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on those apostles and the supernatural peace of Christ that he left with them. How did he leave it? He left it by the Spirit who is his peace giver. And this is not like the peace that the world offers, which is basically saying peace, peace, where there is no peace. And the best that we can hope for is the temporary absence of conflict, or at least a little external or internal rest. No, this is, this is the supernatural peace of Christ that transcends all understanding. It can only be given by his emissary, the helper, who leads us into all truth and there gives us all freedom and all peace. My brothers and sisters, there is a life for us where the help that we need and the intimacy with God that we long for and the leading from God that we look for and the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding work together to empower us to live radically transformed lives. And that life is available to us at all times through this promise of Jesus and the person of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So what I would encourage you to do today and this week is to begin to ask the Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus promised that he would do, to be your helper, to be Christ's emissary, providing communion and intimacy with him. 
to be the leader who leads you into all truth through his word in both ordinary and extraordinary ways, that he would be the peace giver who gives you the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding and lets you take risks for the sake of the name of Jesus and to live differently than you ever have before. And as a means to that end, There should be a hymnal somewhere close to you, a red hymnal uh, in the pew, and uh, number 726. If you wanted to look it up and write it down, it's actually quite simple. This hymn only has one verse. Um, I I discovered or I was introduced to this hymn when I was um, in Japan uh, when I was 18 years old. Uh, My team leader of my mission team, his name was Dan Iverson, and uh, his grandfather uh, wrote this hymn. It's called Spirit of the Living God. And, and I'm going to make this my prayer this week and I encourage you to do the same. It goes like this. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Break me. Melt me. Mold me, fill me, spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for our lack of understanding and our lack of experience of your presence with us through the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray today that you would break the chains that perhaps the church itself have put around our understanding and our experience of the Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive us for that and help us to believe the promise that, Lord Jesus, you made to us that the Holy Spirit would help us that he would represent you to us and give us communion with you that is accessible to us at all times, that he would lead us into all truth and teach us all things and remind us of all the things that you said. That he would take the peace that you left and give it to us so that we might live at peace with God and at peace in a troubled world. Lord, I pray for your enablement and your empowerment, Holy Spirit, that we as individuals and that we together as Back Creek Church would be able, by your grace, to live radically transformed lives in light of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us. Oh Lord, we are dependent on you for this. We cannot produce this. This isn't something that we can generate by thinking a certain way or feeling a certain way. Oh Lord, we need you to work. And we ask that you would. And we lay ourselves humbly before you, waiting for your Holy Spirit to do what you have promised. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can find additional sermons and learn more about our ministries by heading to backcreekchurch.org. We'd love to see you in person for our worship service at 1030 on Sunday mornings. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Thanks for listening.